0: This will be the finest, most luxurious, gold-plated, diamond-encrusted campaign that will give hope to a weary nation until together we reach that fine fall day when the new season of Celebrity Apprentice
1: premieres. From WNYC and New Jersey Public Radio, it's the Christie Tracker. I want to make America great again. When Mexico sends its people, they're not sending their best. He's a war hero because he was captured. I don't mind apologizing for things, but I can't apologize for the truth. Wait a minute, wait a minute. This is the Christie Tracker, not the Trump Tracker. But uh, Christie Trackers, uh, Scott Walker Watchers, Jeb Bush Monitors, we've all somehow been dragged into the Trump tracking game. And uh, yes, we heard several recent clips of Donald Trump and uh, Stephen Colbert at the top uh, with his own take on the Donald's announcement speech. I'm David First here with Matt Katz, who covers Governor Christie for New Jersey Public Radio and WNYC, and also Paul Molshine, conservative columnist for the Star-Ledger, who uh, this week uh, wrote a, a detailed column on what Trump's ascendancy means for New Jersey's governor. Welcome. Oh, thanks for having me. Thank you, David. You know, there's a long relationship there, uh, Matt Katz, uh, Governor Christie and Donald Trump. Can you give us uh, some of the history? Yeah, it's pretty interesting. Um, th- they're both Northeastern
0: loudmouth type guys who accumulate famous people. So it sort of makes sense that they would have become friends. Uh, They're the kind of people that attract and are attracted to other famous people. So they became friends about 13 years ago. Uh, Christie attended Donald Trump's last wedding. We learned an interesting bit about how their political operations have some overlap during the uh, Bridgegate hearings and that we saw documents that indicated that Mike Duhaime, Christie's top political strategist, was supposed to go to New York on January 8th, 2014, the morning in which the smoking gun email, time for some traffic problems before Lee came out. Mike Duhaime was on his way to New York to see Donald Trump to talk about what was then potentially a New York gubernatorial run. And instead he was diverted to Drumthwacket to deal with the, the, the crisis going on with his main client, uh, Governor Christie. So there's uh, a lot of um, crossover between these guys. They know each other very well. And that might go to explaining... Christie's reaction to this Trump mania and how he has not been outraged the way a lot of the other uh, candidates in the field have been over the last few weeks. I am through
2: commenting on the things that Donald Trump says. All right. So I'll just say this, though. and This is what I sent out on Saturday. I said, I know John McCain. John McCain is an American hero, period. Stop. That's it.
0: And that's what's been most frustrating, I think, for the last few weeks for him. He keeps having to answer questions about Trump, like all the other candidates do. And his responses have been much different from the other candidates. They've been really lukewarm. He defended John McCain's service in the military without criticizing Trump for disparaging McCain's service in the military. Uh, He mildly... Push back against Trump by calling his remarks inappropriate, the one about Mexicans being rapists. I'm not personally offended. I think it's inappropriate um, and nothing I would ever say. So he's really seemed to be avoiding upsetting Trump. And risking a counterattack. And it also might be legitimate. I mean, he might legitimately be friends with this guy and doesn't want to attack him publicly.
3: Well, also, I think he's trying to avoid alienating the base. I mean, the base loves Trump on this immigration uh, stuff. And Christie has all of a sudden tried to make himself into an immigration hardliner when just three months ago he was promoting essentially amnesty. Basically, what you have there is him trying to go to the right, not to be caught going after Trump when the right loves Trump.
1: I mentioned Trump's ascendancy. Is that pretty much done at this point? Has has an implosion already occurred with Trump?
3: I think so. I think Trump is, you know, I tell all my readers that he's a stand-up comedian. He's not really a politician. And you see, the thing that got him in trouble, that quip, was simply he was in a funny little riff and he was rolling and he was going great. And he just kept going too long. He threw in that comment thinking it was funny. And of course, it wasn't funny.
1: You're talking about the comment about uh, Senator McCain.
3: About I like people who weren't captured. You know, that that comment was just a really dumb comment to throw in there. Detracted from the point he had made, which he had finished making his point that McCain is soft on immigration. Then he stuck his foot in his mouth. And he did that because he's like a stand-up comedian on a roll. He's not like a politician.
0: Which is sort of what the Christie thing was for, for years, right? I mean, he was somebody who could make a, a room of reporters, a room of constituents, he can make them laugh, and he could often make them laugh by attacking somebody else in a funny way. And now Christie does not look like that guy at all because he's been totally outshined in that department by Donald Trump. It's it's pretty amazing. He's really, like, sucked the air out of the room for the, this whole presidential race in the last few weeks. And maybe it's hurt Christie more Harshly than anybody else. I mean, there's no real evidence to say that the Trump surge has taken numbers away from Christie. We don't, they haven't like tracked it that specifically, but a brand new poll just came out from uh, ABC and Washington Post. Trump is at 24% in this poll. Christie is at 3% in this poll. That's half of
1: what Christie had in May. No matter how tell it like it is Christie might want to appear, he he could never get away with talking to a crowd quite like this. I don't need anybody's money, it's nice. I don't need anybody's money. I'm using my own money. I'm not using the lobbyists, I'm not using donors, I don't care. I'm really rich, I'll show you that in a second. With Donald Trump talking like that, what is Governor Christie now? What, What kind of candidate is he now, Paul?
3: He's a candidate who doesn't have a lot of money. I mean, we saw his super PAC only had 11 million, which doesn't even get you in the door in in Iowa. I don't think anybody is buying the tell-it-like-it-is thing. I mean, the Monmouth poll that came out Monday had Christie at 1% in Iowa. This is a guy who spent three months running all over Iowa, holding his little town halls, sucking up to the ethanol lobby down there, um, making friends with the governor, did everything he could, and he barely registered in Iowa. He's at 1%. And
0: and maybe it has something to do with Trump. I mean, maybe the brand just doesn't really make sense anymore when someone else is saying stuff that's even more outrageous and someone else seems to care even less about breaking China and sticking his finger in the eye of the establishment. Um, Here's a guy who, you know, makes Christie look like the absolute cookie cutter politician, uh, which is the opposite of the Christie brand and the opposite of the perception that Christie has cultivated on the national scene for all these years.
1: You know, Trump is rising in the polls right now. He may have a total implosion, but what does his presence in the race mean for Governor Christie's tactics and his strategy in this campaign?
0: I mean, you could say that some of his rhetoric has to get a little bit harsher than it otherwise would be in order to cut through the noise. I mean, it's possible that that Trump could be moving the whole field in that direction. I mean, Christie's rhetoric on on two issues have been as, as harsh as they've come. He says that President Obama lied to the American people about the Iran deal.
2: And the president announced this deal with the vice president standing behind him. And he said something incredible. He said, we don't trust the Iranians. This agreement is not based on trust. This agreement is based upon verification, and we can verify that they're complying with this agreement
0: anytime, anywhere. Now, that was a huge lie. He's also really jumped into this immigration reform debate, not by offering a solution to the immigration problem, but by criticizing cities like San Francisco that aren't tough enough on uh, illegal immigrants who commit crimes.
3: Last week I was in North Camden when he gave his spiel on crime and he specifically went out of his way to change the subject to immigration. He brought up the San Francisco killing that has, was brought up by Trump and, and, uh, and, and publicized largely by Trump. And then he went on to say... See, sanctuary cities have to stop
2: protecting felons... Felons in the midst of law abiding people. That has to end. And if I'm elected president, it'll end in a Christie
3: administration. I was there in 2007 when he had the fight with the Morristown mayor over that exact question. And Christie was pro. The Morristown mayor, Don Crescatello, accused him of running a sanctuary state. In fact, when Christie was U.S. Attorney, he didn't enforce the immigration laws to any degree whatsoever. He totally ignored them. He was already pitching himself to Latino voters, and he went to that Latino church and famously said, being in the country without papers is not a crime, which Lou Dobbs took him on the air and just uh, just eviscerated him over that. He was positioning himself, as you probably recall, as the liberal to moderate on immigration. He helped set up Morristown as a sanctuary city, and he knows it, and his campaign headquarters... Is right next to where all of the day laborers line up for a job. You know, it's kind of silly. If he, if he was important enough that the networks covered him, somebody would go out there with a camera and take pictures of all the day laborers, you know within walking distance of his campaign headquarters. How does Christie position himself now? Well, you know, I think it all went downhill at that December 2013 press conference when Matt asked him the question about Bridgegate. And instead of fessing up and saying, you know, my people uh, screwed up and I fired them, he gave the famous, I work the cones uh, glib remark. And then, of course, that whole story fell apart. And once that story fell apart, that was the end of him. I mean, he really needed to be the front runner. He thought he was going to take his 21% landslide and go into 2014 as the money guy. All the money guys were ready to back him. And then... It just fell apart.
1: So, Matt, are we just wasting our time uh, spinning our wheels, uh, comparing and contrasting uh, Christie and Trump? This all imploded long ago.
0: You have unusual front runners at this point early on in the election cycle. And that could be what we're seeing. I don't know, but it could be. So I, you can write his obituary just yet.
3: I, I agree. I think he'll probably do quite well in the debate. He'll claim a bounce. It'll be enough for his ego to get him into February when the New Hampshire primary happens. So that's good for us in the media because, you know, let's face it, summertime, what is there to write about,
1: right? Paul Molshine, conservative columnist for the Star-Ledger and Matt Katz, who covers Governor Christie for New Jersey Public Radio, WNYC. Thanks again.
3: Thanks a lot. It was fun. Thanks, guys. <laughs>
1: This is the Christie Tracker Podcast. I'm David First. Governor Christie was back in South Carolina this week holding more town hall events. Uh, He has not been there quite as much as New Hampshire, but Christie has been clocking some significant hours in the state this year. We're joined now by two South Carolina Republicans, both unaffiliated with any candidates. Republican strategist Chip Felkel and Deborah Streetman, president of the Charleston County Republican Women. Welcome.
4: Thank you for having us.
1: Thank you. Deborah, South Carolina has uh, had an opportunity now to get to know Governor Christie. Uh, What do they think of him?
5: It's sort of a mixed bag. Uh, Most are more conservative people. They're a little bit leery of Christie, but I think in general he gets a really good reception.
1: Is he rallying any support down there or, or are people just kind of enjoying the spectacle of coming out to see the Chris Christie show?
5: I think that at this moment, we have so many people in the running that, you know, it's just hard to make a decision about anybody. It is sort of a spectacle at the moment. So I'm going and I'm listening to each one because I am trying to decide.
1: Chip, are, are people keeping an open mind right now? Are people talking about uh, Governor Christie? Is he gaining any traction?
4: I think he's, I mean, my impression of this is twofold. Number one, he, I think Deborah's right. There's some, maybe it's a little bit of cynicism given um the conservative nature of the voters in this state in the Republican primary. I actually think Christie's benefiting, maybe odd, but I think Christie's actually benefiting a little bit from the Trump spectacle because he doesn't appear to be nearly as offensive as Donald Trump has come across here recently, but he is more he is direct and there does seem to be a almost a populist um sense out there right now where that, at least on the initial front, that seems to be attractive to some people.
1: That's interesting. You're saying that that could be benefiting Christie because uh, Donald Trump is jumping in saying, I'm the tell-it-like-it-is guy, but uh, perhaps uh, Christie is uh, distinguishing himself by saying, well, I'm also the tell-it-like-it-is guy, but the, the adult one?
4: Yeah, I mean, I get the sense that um, people like Christie up to a point. Um, they do like his frankness, his gregarious personality. Um, there's so many people in the race that Right now, I think the entertainment factor is taking maybe a presence over a policy factor.
1: Hmm. Well, Deborah, you attended uh, Christie's Town Hall at the Mount Pleasant Liberty Tap Room. What did you think of the event?
5: I thought it was an excellent event. Uh, It was very crowded. He got a very warm reception. You know, people here don't always like the gruff New Jersey or New York accent or way of doing things, but I think Christie is Uh, He he got a very warm reception last night. He's very funny and very personable.
1: Chip, is he coming up in conversations among donors?
4: Haven't heard that yet. Um, I think he was counted out for a while. Um, So he's got a I I don't know if he's going (laughs) to get a second swing at the bat or not, but at least he's uh, going up to the plate.
1: And, Deborah, what do you think? What what does Governor Christie need to do? What does he need to talk about to register with potential voters in South Carolina? Or or ultimately, is, is he kind of a hopeless case down there?
5: No, he is definitely not a hopeless case. In fact, he is doing exactly what I suggested the first time I saw him is to come down here and talk to people. And he was very personable last night and he did, he laughed at himself and said he's been known to be combative. He was absolutely charming last night. He stayed with his wife. He shook hands. I tried to teach him how to say y'all.
1: How did he deal with that?
5: Not well. <laughs> we had a good laugh. <laughs> <laughs> But he needs to be seen here. He needs to go into the very conservative areas and talk to people just like he did last night so they can see who he really is as a person. His manner of speaking is different. You know, his mannerisms are different, but that's okay. At the end of the day, Republicans, we are desperate for somebody who's is truly, um, you know, a conservative and loves this country. But meeting people, talking to people is the very best thing that man can do, because he plays well in person.
1: Deborah Streetman, president of the Charleston County Republican Women and Republican strategist Chip Felkel. Thank you very much for joining us.
4: Have a great day. Thank you.
5: Thank you. Thank you for the opportunity.
1: The Christy Tracker Podcast is a production of WNYC and New Jersey Public Radio. Thank you to associate producer Joseph Capriglione. Our theme music is by 29-Hour Music People. You can subscribe to the Christy Tracker Podcast on iTunes. You can like us on Facebook, and you can follow Matt Katz on Twitter at MattKatz00. Once again, that's K-A-T-Z. I'm David First. Governor, any last words? The last thing I'll tell you is this. The best reason to vote for me
5: is you're going to look real smart after I win. Real smart.